This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I cannot wait for you to meet this incredible woman if you have not already met her. Today on the show, we have Jackie Carr joining us. Jackie is a mom of two girls. She's the co-founder of Rock Your Bliss, which is a yoga and goals movement inspiring and empowering others to live the life of their dreams. She is a yoga teacher and a bliss crafter, we're going to get into what that is, who puts on incredible retreats and workshops and provides online courses to help women light up their lives. Her most recent launch was a program called Goal Speak, which teaches women to really dig into their voice, what they have to say in the world, and how to get their message out. Today on the show, we are going to talk about goal setting. We're going to talk about finding your worth as a woman and standing in that. We're probably going to dig a little bit into motherhood and relationships and all these things that come into play in building a life that feels good from the inside out. Jackie, thank you for being here with me today. I am so honored and I'm so happy to be reconnected. And thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to dive into all that you just said. Yes. Jackie and I actually met about six years ago now at a Raw Beauty Talks photo shoot that we were doing in LA. Her and her partner, Mary Beth, came to a studio in LA, which was this crazy studio. You actually had to enter through the back of a Chinese food restaurant. I had no idea about this when I booked this face. It was crazy. (laughs) And they came, they wiped off all their makeup and we did a beautiful photo shoot and got a chance to connect. And from that point on, we've stayed in touch. Although she's based out of Colorado and I'm in BC, so we haven't seen each other much, but I'm always fascinated by the work that you're doing and the way that you're supporting women. Can you tell everyone who doesn't know you yet a little bit about yourself, how you became this goal coach, the co-founder of Rock Your Bliss? Give us your story. Yeah. Thanks. So I'm just taking notes to remind myself what you just said, because it felt so nice to hear. I sat here truly smiling. That's so wonderful to be reflected back who you are by someone you haven't seen in so long. That is what makes Instagram cool because we have stayed connected there. And I thank you for that. I, For those of you that don't know me, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jackie Carr. <laughs> I live here in the trees. I'm in a town called Evergreen, which is outside of Denver in Colorado. And I literally had this life on a vision board 10 years ago. I worked for Lululemon and I started in the stores and then I moved on to the brand team and then over to their HR team, which they call people potential. And I really loved Lululemon as such a launch pad for me. And by the way, a huge pivot from what I was doing in my 20s, which was like being so lost, Aaron. I was working in a Hollywood agency. I was passing out mints at night in a Hollywood club. I was a PR agent in short and these ugly high heels. I'm so glad I don't see them every day. (laughs) I found Lululemon and I worked in the stores then in their head offices. And Lululemon is obsessed with vision and goals. And I really fell in love with, first of all, a company that stands for their people and provides culture. It's been so cool to see that revolution in our world, I should say in North America. And Mm -hmm. I also found a lot of my voice there, you know, working at a company that cares for their people, they invested in me, they bought my first leadership certification. I'm a light year leadership faculty member, and Lululemon bought Mm -hmm. my first training with them. They also bought me a public speaker training course, because I started to lead work for the company online and offline and at our conferences. And I was quite a rambler. So they got me a speaker training. (laughs) And it was pretty cool that my job now is I'm a goal coach and I'm a motivational speaker. I attribute so much of that growth 
to a lot of the work, obviously, I did at Lululemon. Wow, I unraveled a lot there. And I love that I was in such a powerhouse company. And when I requested to do vision and goal coaching, they said, oh, we're not going that way. Not at this time. And I said, I am. And I did. Seven years ago, I left Lululemon. I said, thank you. And they now have vision and goal coaches, which I love for them, but it wasn't on my timeline. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't wait. So I left and I started my own coaching business. I actually did a lot of culture consulting and vision and goals workshops in sweet LA where you and I met. And then Mary Beth and I, six months later, really found this cool voice of coaching and yoga together. You know how coaching can feel really cerebral and yoga is all about the body. So let's put the mind and body together with intention of bliss crafting, creating a life you love. And so we did our Mm. first retreat on a whim. We're like, let's go to Mexico. Let's do this. Oh my God. At 29, I was like drooling at the life we were creating. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) And people came and it was amazing. And we were like, oh wow, this is more than one retreat. And so Rock Your Bliss was born and we built an online program called Seven Weeks to Bliss. And we've also led workshops all over. And so I did move to Colorado. So Rock Your Bliss did evolve. You know, Marybeth's still in LA. I'm here in the Rockies. Wow, it was such a cool pivot. We had to really reintroduce ourselves as business partners that don't live down the block. Yeah. What was that like, that process of making a, of making a change like that when you're in a relationship? A lot of people talk about your business partner being, it's like you're married to them, um, to go in a way, separate geographical locations, separate ways. Yeah, it was scary as hell, to be honest. Mm. I remember like every four months being like, is this still going to happen? And I think that's okay. I think sometimes we reach those points. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? In any friendship or relationship, I actually think those are good checkpoints to ask, oh, something needs to change. Communication needs to change. Yes or no is the answer. For us, it was so interesting. A lot happened when I moved. You know, I made a big jump towards the life that I wanted. It was no longer in LA. It was in Colorado. And when I moved here, within a year, I got married. And within another year, I had a baby. That's a big transition from the sweet, crazy LA life we were living. And <laughs> yeah, totally. We had to work out conversations. What days do we work on Rock Your Bliss? We had to explore, do we still feel this is something we both want to do? Like a renewal of vows, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we, we did say yes. The coolest moment, and I know Mary Beth won't mind if I share this. I was sitting in the back in my car talking to her on the phone. And, you know, you can tell when stuff's weird. And finally, yeah. we oh, told you know. each other, oh, you just know. It's like in your belly. It's in your heart. Yeah. It's like on my skin, the whole thing. And I feel like this was such a grown-up move. We said, listen, I'm comparing myself to you, and it's not working for our friendship. I can't remember who said it first. I think it might have been Mary Beth because oh, I said, oh, my God, I'm doing the same thing. And it was so interesting that you can be best friends, and you can be in a business, and yet you can be also in judgment and in comparison. And if you don't clean it or clear it, it can ruin it. I felt so many bricks fall off my shoulders because whatever it was that we were in comparison at the moment, I always talk about how when Mary Beth walks in the room, she's pretty mermaid-like. And that's a big deal. She's very bohemian. She wears a lot of dresses. And I come in a bit louder. Usually, I mean, in that day and age, I only wore spandex still and probably some cool sneakers. (laughs) And it was... It was just interesting because you can know yourself, but still be in awe or compare to other people. If you don't say it out loud, though, it gets real sticky real fast. And so those were the types of moments, I think, allowed our business to continue was A, having a delineation between your friendship and your business relationship, and then telling the, the real truth. 
So I want to just press pause for a second because I feel like this is totally off track of what everything that I wanted to talk to you about today. But I also think it is so important and that so many people are dealing with this that we can't just gloss over it. So I want to <laughs> dig into it because this feeling of comparison and being in awe or being in judgment, I mean, those are three different things, but often they intersect and overlap, is something that so many women are struggling with or dealing with today, whether that's in person, through social media, all of these different technologies that now allow us to compare ourselves to people all the time. So I love that you're saying, you know, she can, like you're in awe of who she is, but at times that can cause self-reflection and feelings of whatever, comparison, jealousy, inadequacy, should I be more like that, et cetera, et cetera. I can only imagine that there were also times after you'd moved and you're starting up this family, and at that time she didn't have a baby yet, that you probably had moments of like, ah, she's so free in LA and like, you know, available to invest all of her time into work and her passions. And she's probably at some times and points thinking she's got a family and she's got this beautiful baby and da -da -da, like two different people who love each other so much and are rooting for one another, but just at different stages. When you talk about navigating that conversation where you're actually opening up and vulnerably sharing how you feel, how did that allow you to move forward together versus move further apart, which I think is what most people would fear in having that kind of conversation and that kind of honesty with somebody? Great point. And listen, sometimes it will move you apart. And that will be what the answer needed to be, that that friendship mm. and its time did its time. I've had that as well for yeah. us. And I can't speak for Mary Beth. I'll speak for myself. I can't say like I've grown completely out of that. I don't know if the comparison journey ever dies. I hope so. Maybe in my 80s. That sounds great. But <laughs> yes. what I did learn was a couple things. One, when we did finally open up about it, it, you do feel lighter. And it's the lightness that allows choice. It's really hard to make choice from a really heavy place and holding on to whatever the message is that's feeling weighted. And so there's something in the release when you say it out loud that allows it to not be so scary. And so mm. speaking it up, communication is always going to be the turning point. And how we do that, this is a big tool I learned for so many of my relationships, was recognizing that when we're in comparison, it can be from a place of judgment or jealousy, self-doubt, fear. Comparison can also be from a place of inspiration. You and I touched on the word awe. We have to get there in our minds, though. That's a tricky one. And I found that my teacher led me in this work called I am, you are. So I am Jackie, you are Aaron. I am Jackie, you are Mary Beth. Like these are sometimes tools I do before I call her. I'll use this before I have a big conversation with my partner. And this is a boundary conversation though. So when you can reacquaint yourself with who you are, then you can be happy for someone. You can honor their timeline and yours. I need that separation because I have found comparison for me is usually a collapse of my identity into someone else's or something I think I should be. And mm -hmm. I, know, yes. I know. Yeah. You feel that you felt that. And so <laughs> when we can do, I am Jackie, you are Aaron. Then we're able to stand in our truth and truly respect yours. And I actually do this with myself. So I stay in my own lane and I can honor my own timeline. I move at a fast paced, Aaron. Ooh, I'm a hustler. As long as it's an aligned hustle, I love it. I love being busy. Busy is not a bad word for me, unless it's busy with overwhelm. And so I mm -hmm. have to honor that because, you know, Mary Beth is very organized. She's a Virgo and she is so good at self care. And she is such, such a person who listens slowly and with intention. I mean, if you've taken her class, her, her voice is like butter. And that's like the opposite of me. And how cool to be different. <laughs> I think so long yes. we tried to assimilate. I had to wear a uniform at school. We, as women, have maybe 
I say maybe because I don't know everyone's journey, but there might have been some body image journey you've gone through, whether it was the parent or school or for me, it was all the magazine. And so we have to actually allow ourselves to be ourselves, to be our size, to be our shape, to be as loud and busy or as simple and sensitive as we want. And if we don't, it's always going to feel a little bit heavy because it's not our timeline or it's not our voice when our identities collapse with someone else. I love what you just said. It's so important. That concept of comparison and jealousy and the feelings that that brings up being a collapse of yourself into someone else or something else that you should be. Often when I'm in that place of comparison, I find one of the easiest ways to snap myself out of it is to go back to doing something that I know that I'm good at or something that that makes me feel at home in myself and my own journey, right? Whether that's giving gratitude or using a skill that I have that's something beyond what you can create in an Instagram picture. And it just relates so much to what you're just saying because when I'm doing that, it's a buildup of myself. It's rebuilding myself, allowing myself to expand into that so that I'm no longer falling into somebody else's story, somebody else's situation. Do you know what it is? Yeah, tell me. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) Well, it's a remembering. So when you go do something you love, you remember who you are. A lot of us, I think, especially with new year energy, are seeking that new you or new self. I find that when I am seeking or reaching or searching outside myself, I do love expansion. But the expansion that is the most powerful for me is when it comes from a grounded place, when I've remembered who I am and that I can grow gracefully. I can say, oh, yes, I'm changing. I'm learning instead of forcing myself to be someone totally different or perfect or whatever it may be, fill in the blank. Mm, Yes. Because we know, we know. All of you who are like, oh, I'm lost right now. Just like Aaron said, go write, go light the candle, get in the bathtub. There's one thing you can do to remember who you are. Brene Brown talks about comfort zones. I don't think she said it just like this, but I read in her book once. She's like, I totally get getting out of your comfort zone, but we also need a comfort zone. We need a place to be ourselves mm-hmm. and be comfortable. And I was like, wow, that's the biggest permission slip I've ever given myself. Space to pause and not always be growing be comfortable and connected so I can see. Well, the pursuit of growth is and can be somewhat exhausting at times. I find that I definitely (laughs) need, I love growing. I love the concept of stepping into my best self. That journey to me does feel like home to me. When I'm feeling stagnant, when I'm feeling like I'm not learning, when I feel like I'm repeating patterns that I know aren't serving me, that to me feels like that doesn't feel comfortable to me or like I'm at home. It's part of my nature to kind of constantly want to self-evolve and to dig deeper. And so I've accepted that of myself, but I also have recognized after several burnouts (laughs) that I have to also create space to just chill the F out sometimes. Amen. And little pockets in my day, in my week that are about stillness, that and that's meditation, that's taking a bath, that's reading a book that's not a self-development book <laughs> and going to have me up thinking all night about, you know, that next thing that I should do, just like some good fiction or something like that, playing and being in the moment with my kids. Those are the little things that provide me with the break because I find it hard to just, you know, watch Netflix and chill all the time. It's interesting, this balance of continuing to move out of our comfort zones and to not fall into habits and patterns that are serving us, but also like taking a freaking break sometimes. Yeah. I feel that within us all is the light and the dark, right? The the yin yang sign, or I have really been playing with masculinity and femininity. And I want to be clear, I didn't say male and female. I said masculine and feminine, and I know there's a divine feminine within me, but there's also a masculinity in me. That's the goal setter in me. That's the side of me that does like to hustle. That's the person that's 
somewhat aggressive with their vision board and goals. And the feminine side is where I've really been, I would say, in my 30s, practicing the balance of softening, being quiet, being comfortable, receiving. That's been a big one for me with my goals practice is receiving the people, the information, the next version of myself that I'll become for a goal to actually come to life. And so I've really been exploring that balance. Whereas I think I lived a lot of my life very much leaning into my masculine side. As a woman, I played sports and I had like a terrible belief that women didn't like me in college. And so I was only friends with men. Thank God I unraveled that. I'm a totally different human now. As I sit here with like a women empower women sweatshirt on, which is quite fun. I would have never guessed that about you I know. in a million years based on what I know I now. Know. It's so <laughs> fun when people meet me now and I'll like put in tidbits of my life before and they're like, don't believe you. I'm like, that's awesome, which is so cool. We are ever changing. And like you said, it is this beautiful balance of giving and receiving. We can't always be giving. It's exhausting. And we can't always be receiving. Because then we won't necessarily always be out for what we want. We'll only be receiving perhaps what other people could give. So I think it's a cool place to explore that softening and that strength. Mm, Very cool. I love that. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. If you're tuned in and thinking, yes, it is time to get my butt in gear and to set some goals that I'm actually going to stick to, I want to tell you about a tool that I use every day to help me align my actions to the outcomes that I'm desiring the most. It's a daily journal from Still called Get It Done Journal, and it is designed to make your task planning as easy and seamless as possible because I know you're managing a lot of things and sometimes we set these goals and it feels like there's a million distractions getting in the way of us actually completing them. So this journal is going to really help you focus on achieving and accomplishing those goals. It's built for a 90-day achievement cycle, which I think is perfect because it makes it a lot more doable. Every day you're 
going to set three goals. You're going to note down what you need to focus on to make them come to life. And at the end of each week, you'll reflect on your progress. This is such an amazing daily exercise to help you move forward aligned with the things that you want most in your life. Go to rawbeauty.co backslash still, S-T-I-L, for an overview of the journal and more information on why I love it. If you head to rawbeauty.co backslash still, you will also find that we are giving away a free get it done journal, but you've got to go to rawbeauty.co backslash still to find out how you can win it and to learn more about this amazing tool. All right, let's get back to Jackie and the basics of goal setting. I'm excited to chat with you about goals in this episode, goals, intentions, and to dig into this world that you've immersed yourself within. Because I think that this all plays so perfectly into the conversation that we're having right now, the balance of setting goals versus taking breaks and resting in who we are, striving and not burning out. And this is something that a lot of women are up against right now. And I find it really interesting with the women that I coach. There are some people who are so goal-oriented. I would definitely put myself in that category. Some that are setting very realistic goals, some that love to set the BHAGs, the big, hairy, audacious goals. And then some who are like, I am not setting goals because they never work. I can't hit them. What if they don't work? So arbitrary. So they just don't even set goals at all. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, your thoughts on goal setting and the value that they bring and how they've showed up in your life. I've had such a cool relationship with goals in that it's changed a lot. You know, when I started goal setting, I would say I remember mapping out all my college classes to finish at a certain date. And what was cool is that I added so many classes and I had it so mapped out that I actually double majored because I had the space and I'd planned out well. I remember that moment on post-it notes, like writing out all the quarters and what classes I wanted to take. And then later in life being introduced, you know, in a really clear format by Lululemon goal setting. You know, I'd worked in different jobs, but the goals were so much about money that it didn't really occur to me that goals could be about your whole life or a great life. And so when I started setting goals from the Lululemon format, I was like, wow, this is really cool. You can ask for what you want. You can write it down. Oh my gosh, Aaron, you should have seen my first goal board. I was marrying a doctor and I was on the board of nonprofits. I was so materialistic. It was so interesting. And I, I give myself grace. I'd come right off of some really interesting experiences of Hollywood life, which can be very money focused. I listened into a lot of negotiations and things like that. And then I was also in that world of not having any money living in LA. (laughs) And so I remember writing a lot of goals down to be someone totally different. And it was so interesting I hopefully one day will be able to find that, that goal sheet. I'm sure it's somewhere. And, you know, there were a lot of spaces to write down goals. And some of the the beauty of it was like, I ran my first marathon. That was really a game changer for me. I got my yoga teacher training. Mm. That was also a game changer for me. So much of my health reflected how I was living. And then so many of my personal goals weren't happening. So Lululemon had to set goals in like different domains of your life. I was rocking my career goals and straight sailing personal because I didn't have a personal life. I was only working. And it's really cool that now I don't write down near as many goals as I used to. I don't have 20. I might have four, four that I'm working on. And my goals (laughs) now are all value-based goals. So I find so many times when people hate goals, They've set goals for other people. They've been really in a place where their goals were set for them or they have failed and they don't like failure. You're on a really slippery slope with goals if you don't like failure. It's really not going to work out because so many (laughs) of the goals we write down, we will fail. 
because they might not be for us anymore. Times have changed. You've changed. Or it wasn't meant to be and you can delete it off your sheet. But if you don't like failure, you're in for a real ride with goal setting. Or because part of the point of goals is to help you stretch a little bit. And that process of stretching a little bit might involve some bumps and falls and breaks along the way, but it doesn't mean that you haven't stretched a little bit in just attempting to get to them, right? It doesn't mean that some growth hasn't happened. Some learnings always happen. It's all just perspective, really. Well, this actually is such a great point, Erin. A lot of people have not actually sat back and asked, what does the word goal mean? Because you have some Mm. people that have realistic goals that might be somewhat to-do list items, but they call it a goal so they feel good and they accomplished it. And I love that for them. I love feeling good. And so a goal for them is reachable, moves them in a direction they want to be going, and they have accomplished them all. And that's great. They're living a great life. For me, my definition is very different. Just like you, my goals stretch me into the next version of myself and request of me to be open to not knowing the answer today. Mm, Yeah. See, that resonates with me because that's what my goals look like. But I can also see the value in the other set of goals. And I think that there's, yeah, there's absolutely a place for that too. Yeah. Just give yourself permission to define the word. Most people I've talked to who don't like goal setting have had a bad experience at work or have failed. And they don't want to get hard on themselves. And it's cool because language creates our reality. So gift yourself space to define the word goal so you know what it means. And then if goal setting is a practice that supports you, you're actually working in a direction that you're aligned with because you defined it your way. Mm, I love it. What is the difference between the goals that you set when you first started out goal setting and a value-based goal. Can you actually like give me some examples of a value-based goal? Yes. So values is such a big conversation. Values for me are what matters and who I am at my most true core. They also are my inner GPS. So it's great to know what your values are. Take a moment to write down what matters to me. And see what comes up. I feel like a lot of times we forget to ask ourselves that. And my values, I have two sets, Erin. I have personal values and I have my professional values. I am an entrepreneur and my brand has a different set of values, my brand values, than my own personal life values. So a great example of that would be one of my values is connection. Connection, family, and nature. Those are huge for me, okay? Mm-hmm. Those are a couple. I, and then when I go to the professional side, I don't have connection. You know what I have? I have community. My brand mm. has created a community, but I also know where that community starts and finish. So I can pay attention to my family and my children or my friends that feel like family. It's a very clear distinction for me. And another value in my personal brand is service. How am I being of service as a coach, as a speaker, as someone who's networking that day? I love actually connecting people to one another because it's probably, duh, it's my personal value. But when I can connect connection to service, my brand is elevated and so am I. And so those are really cool for me to play with. And so when I set goals, I ask myself, what are my family goals? And this has been such a cool conversation Chris and I connect to. What do we want to be doing with our children? So we have a goal to camp this summer, right? We've got to get these kids in tents. That's the goal. And then we also have our own trip planned. That's our nuclear family because family gets tricky. Those grandparents will plan your life away. And so and I love mom, dad, love you. And I love my in-laws. And Chris and I have been on a yes train to doing what a lot of other people want. And I think we've forgotten to ask what we want for our two children and mom and dad, us, us as mom and dad. And so we're taking a trip this year, just our family. So it feels really cool. And then personally for me, that I would say it was in my business category is growth is in my business. And this is, of course, like sharing tools, growing clients. 
growing their businesses, but I've then asked, how am I growing my business? So I'm looking for, which by the way, I'm open to suggestions. I'm looking for a summit or a leadership conference, a three-day experience for myself to go learn from other leaders that I'm not speaking at. So I don't have to be on. I don't need to be networking. I get to be myself and I get to bring a notebook and fill it up and learn. And that will actually grow my business because I will have evolved. So those are ways that like my values guide my choices and my goals. I love this. I've taken so many things. I've never thought about creating. I mean, I know big companies often have a set of values, right? And then the individuals that are working within the company and probably the owners have their own set of values. But because my work is so integrated with my personal brand, my voice, my conversation, my thoughts, like my real raw moments, I don't have a separate set of values for my work. And I bet you there's a lot of people listening right now who are entrepreneurs or consultants or coaches themselves or parents. I mean, this just relates to so many different people, but to define your personal values and then to create a separate one for work, because it can feel really hard to create the boundary between the two, especially nowadays when we have our phone and it's like you can be on your email or social any hour of any day, we don't have the physical boundaries anymore. So I like this idea of creating almost an emotional boundary in some sense by getting really clear on two different sets of values for each entity. I love it too. I just stumbled upon it. I found myself somewhat in a weird rut last year. I felt imbalanced and I couldn't really find a key to get out of the stickiness I felt. And Aaron, I took myself on a CEO day. So I had like an immersion with myself. I booked a mm-hmm. hotel and I went to like three cities over. I went to Boulder and I sat there with all my tools and I used them on myself. And this is where I said, let me see the difference. And I really wrote them out and defined them. And Again, what I said earlier, language creates our reality. This gifted me a language of business or at Jackie Carr or my email or JackieCarr.com. That's actually how I did it because you are your business, right? But it's JackieCarr.com. I'm still a different person than what my children see, than what Chris sees. There's a sacredness here in my house that not many people beyond my house will ever meet that person. And I think that's, Chris has taught me, that's special. I don't need to show everyone everything. And I think that's been really cool to explore what's sacred to me, what's personal, and not necessarily hide it, but honor it, and be able to have that separation feel truthful and supportive. Mm. And such an, yeah, such an amazing feeling to ground down and knowing how it is that you want to show up And how much of yourself you want to give to others. It's wild. Like some people, if we're just talking about social media and the at version of individuals, some people are so comfortable sharing so much and having their phone all day. And it just comes really naturally and it flows for them. Other people, I'm putting myself in this bucket. It's like a stretch. For me, it's not even that I care if people see all parts of me. It's just like I don't want to have my phone all the time. It doesn't like come second nature to me to put all of that stuff out there. And it's this balance of allowing yourself to be seen and showing up to connect with others and your community, but also, yeah, really honoring that privacy and that intimacy within your family and your own personal self. One thing that just came to mind is, you know, when we were talking about setting values for work and setting values for yourself, Every single person, for the most part, who's listening right now has an Instagram feed at blah, blah, blah. What if people set values for their Instagram feed? What what are my values around my at handle, my Instagram page? And then what are your personal values? And then use that as a bit of a North Star or guide to help you show up on a, on social media and to use social media in a way that feels really aligned to you as an individual. That could be an interesting little exercise. It is interesting because that's how I post and that's how I coach my clients to post because they never mm-hmm. know what to post and they feel stuck. And if you have a set of values that you can speak to, Seth Godin says it best, consistency is key. 
start to gift your audience with consistency. If one of your values is service, ask a journal prompt question in your Instagram. If one of your values is connection, have people tag other people so they connect and become friends. And I think that is what has felt so grounding to me is like when I don't know what to post, I can go to my values. And if they don't guide me, guess what? I don't post that day. I love it. Okay, let's get into some of the tangibles about goal setting. So the first thing we talked about is define what a goal even means to you. What does the word goal mean to you? Take us through some of the next steps of setting an effective goal. Well, as we've talked about, I really do love asking what matters. I find a lot of us have experiences that we perhaps grew up in or a society expectation that perhaps might be playing on us. And there's a really beautiful space of connecting to actually what matters to me. And let's set goals there first. It's quite fun to have grounded goals. So ask what matters. Start to see perhaps if goals play into that. Next, I love playing with opposites of the spectrum. So you've got groundedness in your values. But also that question of what do I want plays into your vision. And I have really been asking, especially this year, I led a vision board party and I didn't want it to be, okay, look at magazines, go by. I started with the question around what do you actually want for the world? What kind of world would you want to be living in? What's there? And what do you stand for? What are you really wanting to stand for? So that world starts to take shape in your world. And I've found that's been really cool. I have role models like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Brene Brown that really allow me an understanding that not everyone might like you. That's okay. There will be people that love you. That's okay too. And standing up for your values and what you believe in, but also for the world you want to live in, for the world you want your children to live in, is the power of a vision. And so this is dreaming, which is obviously the opposite of grounding. I'm about to lift you off the ground. But going into (laughs) your future, five years, one year, 10 years, and saying, what do I want? Like, I'm an earth junkie. Like, I don't want plastic in the sea. And... I don't want all this trash on our trails. So what I do want is a clean earth. I want clean air. I want people connected to earth. I think sometimes like my vision for the future is that we understand that we are part of nature. We are the nature versus I'm human and nature's out there somewhere. And so that's what I've been asking of myself. Like, how am I leading that for myself? Am I going outside? It's really easy to sit on this computer screen for hours. Am I taking my children out? Are they on a scavenger hunt? Are they barefoot? What's that look like? And this is where I find visioning is so cool because it starts to let you dream. You know, where do you want to live? Who's there with you? And what are you doing with your time? Are you sitting on the computer screen? I highly doubt. Any of you listening just closed your eyes and saw yourself hunched over the computer screen unless you're writing a book, (laughs) which I can't wait to read your book, by the way. I can't wait. And that's what's interesting as we start to dream. And this is where we then can set goals in possibility versus reactivity because we have a vision. Mm. We have a place that we want to go, a place that we're standing for. I think that's what makes my goals so important is because I know where I want to go. And if I don't go there, then it won't happen. It's my responsibility to pick up that trash on the trail. It's my responsibility to make sure that Chris and I have um, sustainable bags in the car, which sometimes we fail. Do know I'm not perfect. And I do reuse the bags as poop bags, but that's not the solution. I know I'm (laughs) failing there often. However, If you don't have a vision, we're waiting for someone to do it for us. We're waiting for someone to tell us what to do. And then again, back to what we talked about in the beginning, we're not living our vision. We're living someone else's. We're living someone else's goals. And so values into a vision, a space where you dream of what you want the future to look like. And then you you work to, okay, how do I get there? What's the next thing to do? Okay, what would be the thing after that? And starting to explore the ripple to get to where you want to go. Do you think that on the vision board, 
when we're talking about this vision for what we want the world to look like, is there space for us to say, what is my world's going to look like? What is my environment, my home? I mean, what's coming to mind is some of the more superficial things. Do you, would you recommend not having those things on your vision board or is there room for them? Oh my God. I hope so. I got to have a nice house. (laughs) As I'm picturing this one room in my, on my vision board that I've got in there. Can I keep that room? (laughs) The answer is yes. Oh my God. Yes. And listen, it's so cool. Like Chris and I are in this sweet cabin and I mean, what I would do for an extra room. We moved here and got pregnant with our second child and we have a two bedroom house. So the girls are sharing a room. It's mm-hmm. quite hilarious. However, Chris has redone a lot of the house. He's torn down a wall. He's put up shiplap. My friend came out. She's an interior designer. I coached her last year when she was becoming a designer. And now I'm her client that she gets to design yes. for. It's so cyclical and beautiful. And She's helping me look at how to make my space livable so I can invite you over when you're in town, you know, for a mocktail or cocktail of your choosing. And what's really (laughs) neat, though, is, for example, like as we work on my home, Chris is building me a she shed in the backyard. I don't know if you've ever Pinterest a she shed, but it's pretty fun. It's a shed in the backyard. It'll be my office. And... Right now, I'm in my bedroom. My bedroom's rather large. They made like two bedrooms into one. So I'm on the opposite side. But the thing is, is it's fine for now. Fine. I don't want to live a fine life, Aaron. So it's fine for now. <laughs> and the goal is I'll have my own space. And so that would be something material. However, when I think about the ideas that are kind of going to come out of my brain, in my she shed with a living wall and a desk you can see. What if that changes the world? So, you know, I find there's balance on the board. And I think that at the end of the day, we set these goals to have the beautiful home. There is a practice of finding happiness in the journey to getting there, in finding peace and some contentedness in the two-bedroom cabin the stage that you're at right now is a stepping stone to that next place. And then there's probably going to be another stepping stone and another one potentially until you create this dream for yourself and land in that end final place. Sometimes I think people get caught up in this is the end mark. And so I'm just going to be unhappy until I'm there. What I find with clients that I'm working with is if we don't start to live in gratitude, if we don't start to find some feelings of peace and mindfulness and joy and happiness with where we are right now, it extends the amount of time that it takes to get to where we want to be because the emotions that we're putting out, the frequency, the vibe that we're putting out isn't equal to those things that we want to create on our vision board. So we have to start first by generating those feelings within you know, there is that piece of the journey of finding that happiness that you're looking for in that end goal right now versus just waiting until you get there. Yeah. Do you want here? I know someone who says it really well here. Okay. Howard Thurman says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I love it. Do you think that it is good for us to speak our goals out loud or are there certain ones that we should keep close to our heart? This is such a good question. Okay, listen, I believe in speaking our goals out loud. I really, really do because who knows who's right there to help you. However, I do know there are goals that make me feel squeamish or vulnerable or perhaps stretch me even saying them out loud. And I have what you would call a selected three people that are like my goal holders. They'll hold the goal with me and they won't make fun of me. They won't counteract me. They won't play devil's advocate because I've already done it a hundred times. They will say the truth. And if I ask for it, they will support me. And usually I have like those three people pretty clear in my head. And I do think you can share your goals with the wrong people. 
I think sometimes we can be trying to prove something. I know I've done that before. I have caught myself in unraveling old money stories, telling weird money goals to make sure people know that I'm working hard. Like I've done this with my parents. I I found myself doing this last October and Chris was like, why are you talking about money so much? And I'm like, oh God, I just, I want them to feel like I'm okay. And then I, I am figuring it out. And I kept talking these big goals and they came out just weird, Aaron. And I realized, oh, I'm trying to prove something here. And if they're worried about me, I should just ask instead of be in this weird goal share space. And so I also have had experiences where I've told someone my goal and they've told me I'm crazy. Or they've asked me when I lived in LA, why would you want to move to Colorado? That's we're in the perfect place with the perfect temperature. Where are you going? And you have to know that sometimes those people are placed in front of you on purpose to challenge your goals, to either commit you deeper or ask you, is it something I really want? And that's where my values come into play big time. So I can ground when those challengers say something like that. Or those people maybe are coming to you at exactly the right moment when you need to strengthen your resolve as to whether or not this goal is important to you or not, right? We can tell so much from our reaction when somebody challenges our goal and either we are like, you know what, they're right. Like, who am I doing this for? And is this really, or you're like, what? Like, no, this is really important to me. And I, and you start making the list of all the reasons why that goal is right. And it strengthens how you stand in that goal. I'm dying to know. I've got to ask, what kind of goals make you squeamish? You don't have to tell us the the exact goal, but is there like a topic that you're more, less comfortable speaking out loud in, in terms of your goals? I would say I'm learning to share money goals more, but I, I am somewhat squeamish with my own self. I've been doing a lot of work around my own worth, giving myself a raise and not being like secretive about it but feeling powerful. What do you mean giving yourself a raise? Okay. So in November, I posted on Instagram that I gave myself a raise. I've changed my speaker rates and I've changed my client rates. And Aaron, I used to give myself these tiny little raises with one eye closed on the website and press post and just hope someone wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't get found out. I wouldn't have someone (laughs) say, Hey, you can't raise your rates on me. No one's ever said that by the way. I've made those people up. I don't know who that is. Maybe some lady named Gertrude, who's always my mean gremlin in my head. If anybody's listening to the name Gertrude, you're probably lovely. <laughs> you should call me so I can re-acclimate the name. However, <laughs> I gave myself a raise this year and I announced it. I put on my Instagram, I want you all to know I've raised my rates. I've given myself a raise. I'm a CEO. I'm at a place where I have now coached 10,000 people and I know my voice has been honed and my skills have been up-leveled. And if I were in a corporate position, I would get a raise every year. Why am I not doing this for my own self as a woman in business, as a woman who is worthy? And I had so many women reach out and say it was really powerful. And I'm sure a couple people were like, oh, shoot, I should have booked at the cheaper rate. But it was so neat to announce it because it made me feel, it made my stomach flip a bit because I'd never announced it. And I found that money is such an interesting, energetic topic in the world, but it's up to us to have our own relationship with goals, with money, with our sex life, with our self-care life, with our balance. And knowing if anything makes you squeamish, there's usually beautiful work need to be done there. Mm -hmm. I would say what I shared with you earlier around honoring my own family feels squeamish. I love my parents and my sisters so much. I want to say yes to whatever they want. I love them. I want to see them all the time. And I love making my husband happy. If he wants to fly to Chicago and do X, Y, Z, I'm like, how do we make it work? I'll do ends of the earth to make it work. But at the expense of my own family, having their own vacation, having our own time together where there's no screens available or we're at a beach. And I realized that. And it makes me nervous to say no to my family. And it feels so good to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. When you say making space for your family, you mean like your your nuclear family of four? Yeah, exactly. Well, and the dog. Like to go on a trip. But then it's squeamish to say no to your parents and sister because you're creating that space 
for you guys and you can't be everywhere and be everything to everyone. And so the priority this year is going to be a trip for your family of four. Yeah. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be gone all the time. Why work on a house so hard that you're never in? Like why move to your dream home to not be here to make everybody else happy? Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. It's hard because we want to show up in different places. And that first piece is recognizing what you need in different, you'll need different things in different seasons, right? Amen, sister. That's knowing what matters to you. It's having a vision. These allow you focus points to have a yes and a no. If we don't have a vision, it's easy for people to fill in the blanks for you. They love doing that. (laughs) (laughs) They sure do. Okay, so goals, goal setting, (laughs) identifying what goal means to you, asking yourself what matters to me, then creating a vision. What do I want? What do I want for the world? What do I personally want? Then you're setting your goals in whatever format that would be. It sounds like for you, you've gone from like 20 goals to four goals. Is that just because you know that's more manageable for you or because life has become more busy with kids and marriage and home building and all of that stuff? Yeah, it's all my brain can really handle. And I love that I've done that because the old achiever in me is like, put down the 20 goals. Let's do this. And the four, I find it's really manageable. I can actually keep checking in if I like them. I can stay true to them. I can delete as needed. I can add if needed. And I will say formatting wise, I do play in the present tense with a date. And this is where people get real mad at me is the date. Okay. So I take a nuclear family vacation by October 1st, 2020. I own it. Mm -hmm. No one's going to do it for me. As soon as you put yourself in the goal, the goal becomes real. And you get to say it out loud to yourself and see how you feel. And the date on there creates action. It creates responsibility. It creates choice. And so that's where people are like, I don't want to date Jackie. I'll figure it out later. And I'm like, cool, call me later in the you know, <laughs> next 10 years. For your second coaching session. For when yeah. you need a follow-up. <laughs> exactly. I'm not even joking. But it does create that masculine vibe of get it done, get it done, get it done. What I think, though, it creates a collaboration. Who have you met that's going to bring this goal to fruition? You might not have met him yet. Perhaps we'll go esoteric, like being in collaboration with God or the universe. What if you put that date down and they say, okay, us too, we're in. Or what if you put that Mm -hmm. date down and then you book that uh, financial planning meeting or you tell your travel agent friend to keep on the lookout for you for Cabo, whatever it may be, so that it becomes real through your language, through your energy, through your action. Beautiful. What are some best practices to help bring these goals to life? Number one, write it down. You can use pencil if you want to erase, but write it down. It is proven. Goals written down become way more actionable and achieved than goals that aren't written down. And here's why. You keep them swirling up there in your head. Who else lives up there in your head? All your inner critics, that comparison bone we talked about earlier. It's really hard to keep the goal alive. Gert's up there. She's like, "Mm -mm, I don't think so. And so write it down. That way you can check in. You don't have to look at it every day. I don't I don't look at my goals every day. I'm more of a quarterly person. I have a lot of people in my circle who are moon people. They're checking the goals on the new moon and I love it. So write it down. Number two, tell someone. Create a goal buddy, a goal partner. Share your goals with someone you trust. Someone who is available to support or hold that space. Because they will be someone you can ask to check in on you. I cannot tell you how many times I have written down the goal to write a book. And I haven't joined a writer's club. I have no one over my shoulder asking me if I'm writing. So I sit here with a book written in my brain, but sure not on paper where you can read it. And it's fun to play with, oh, wow, this is why this isn't coming to fruition. So write it down. Tell someone. I would say, as we've been talking about, we haven't clarified it this way. A lot of my goals have a really clear why or intentionality, as we talked about in a connection to my values. 
even if it's a materialistic goal, like own a home or have a she shed, know why. Know why I want to host family dinners. I want to raise my children in a space that has their pictures on the wall. I want to be able to paint the room purple and I want a living wall with moss. You get to decide why that's important to you because that solidifies the goal. I wrote so many goals that were fake. So other people would read my goals and be like, oh, she's really athletic. Look at her. She wants to run a full marathon. (laughs) Do you know who doesn't ever want to run a full marathon again? Me, me, I don't. But I remember (laughs) writing it down because so many people in the athletic company I worked for had written it down too. I'd never asked, wait, do you really want to do that? (laughs) And so I failed it. And that's what's so cool about failure. That's my last tip is embrace the failure and choose to fail forward with your goals. How Mm. we do that is when you fail a goal, you ask yourself, one, what did I learn? Two, do I still want this goal? Three, if yes, change the date. And now I'm back in the saddle. Love. That's such an important part about it. Like so often we fall into this pit of negative self-talk and self-criticism and not feeling worthy and just stalling and never setting a goal again. But I think what you just described and explained so perfectly and with step-by-step instructions is how to get up when you don't hit the goal, how to keep moving forward. It's not over. It's not over if the family vacation doesn't happen by October 2020 or if you don't get to the gym six out of seven days a week or if you don't end up with that public speaking gig, which, by the way, if you are somebody who's into public speaking, go check out Goal Speak on Jackie's website. She can help you with that one. It's a journey of getting there, but you keep trying. You keep getting up every single time you fall. I can't thank you enough for sharing so many beautiful tools and so much of your personal story as well, which always helps, I think, when people know that they're not alone in this and that even a goal coach has set goals and not hit them. Many times. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. So Jackie, I'm curious to know, as an entrepreneur, a CEO, a mom of two, a wifey, what does your wellness routine look like? And like, we want the like full real meal deal here. No Insta story. I know what I got myself into. It's called raw beauty talks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Let's first do exactly what I love to do. What's wellness mean to me? Okay. Wellness, of course, for me engages in taking care of my whole self. And for me right now, wellness actually invites in peace. Mm -hmm. P-E-A-C-E. I don't know if I had a lot of peace last year. And that's okay. You'll have years like that. And I got really tired. And I was like, oh my God, am I okay? I just was really lethargic. And so this year, wellness to me is like, what makes you feel peaceful and well? And how are you taking care of yourself? And so, of course, I could talk all day about um, hiking and nature. And I could definitely talk about baths, but a scolding hot bath. I don't need a bubble. I I don't need a bomb. I need a scolding (laughs) hot temperature and I need it, the door locked because my daughter was like, can I come in and watch you? And I was like, what the hell? And so (laughs) the ability to be alone is my self-care right now. So that's in the bathtub. That is reading a, a book in my hand. I love reading. I love my library card. That is part of my wellness is quiet time with a book. And then part of my wellness is being in really clear communication with my husband, Chris. I can tell I'm not well if we've had an argument and it hasn't been resolved the next morning or if shit hit the fan and it hasn't been talked about. I want to clarify, it doesn't feel like a codependency thing. To be clear, we're both very individuals and we elevate each other's lives by being individuals. However, so much is happening fast right now, whether that's scrolling on Instagram, how fast our children are growing up. And if Chris and I don't slow down, I will have a full calendar and he won't know where I am. 
And that actually never works for us. Wellness for me is a really clear, beautiful relationship with Chris at the foundation. He is such a beautiful grounder for me. How we connect in all aspects of our marriage is really important. We're renewing our vows actually in June. Have two children, renew your vows feels pretty important. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. The other thing I really know I want to work on this year is breath. That would be a goal of mine with my wellness is learning Mm. to breathe. I don't think right now that I know how, and I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to go to workshops. I'm going to, I have someone in San Diego. She's going to do a private breath work class with me to teach me how to breathe because I have forgotten. Powerful. And we need these reminders at different stages of our life. That was real. Thank you for not telling me that you wake up at 530 and do a meditation and breathe for 15 minutes and then go for a light jog followed by a green juice and then a cold bath. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to leave you with one last question. If you were to die tomorrow, what message would you want to leave to women of the world? Oh, it's so upsetting to think about, but it is a good question because the women of the world are the mothers to my children when I'm gone and right now. So it's your responsibility to show them the way, to show them how to be powerful, stand for your worth, and to have fun at the same time is what I'd say. I felt that and I (laughs) echo it and I just want to reflect back to you that you are doing that in the most powerful way through being a mother, through the women that you coach each and every day, through your work with Rock the Bliss and Goal Speak. I am happy knowing that if I died tomorrow, that my kids would have a woman like you in the world showing up in the way that you do. So thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. I am going to take all of these beautiful messages that she just threw down for us. I'm going to put them into a PDF so that you can go to the show notes, click on that, and you'll get a PDF with everything that she shared because there was so much goodness in there. I want it summarized so that you can actually take all of this and put it into action. Jackie, where can everybody find you and connect with you further? So JackieCarr.com and of course at Jackie Carr. There's no E, J-A-C-K-I-C-A-R-R. <laughs> And rockyourblissmovement.com. You'll find all the magic there. And I would love to hear from people. Sometimes I think people listen and they're like, oh, I shouldn't reach out. I run my Instagram. Me and Mary Beth are on Rock Your Bliss. Reach out and say hi. That's why we're on there for connection. So I would love, love, love to connect with your crew. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. I can't wait to see you next week. As always, remember that your life, your body, it is different than anybody else's. So take what feels good and what resonates from this episode and leave anything else behind. Get out there and get after it. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.